good morning, good afternoon, or whatever, depending on where you are in the world. And welcome to another edition of Just Coffee, coming to you from the studios of the Moffat FM, here in Chester in the United Kingdom. My special guest today is Nick Jackson, runs a big band, would you believe? Amazing. I thought we'd start off today with a big band special. This is the group Accent and their version of Let It Snow, including the Gordon Dregs' Big Fat Band. Oh, 
There with uh, Love You Snow, and of course, if you're a die-hard fan, you'll know it's basically the the uh, the theme song for said same. Now then, let's carry on with the Big Band Christmas, and this is indeed a Big Band Christmas, and uh, it's a multi-instrumentalist from one chap, rather clever. Quite a swinger, but I expect it will get into it.
Oh, Big Bang Christmas there. Oh, oh, done by one guy. Multi-tracked, would you believe? Absolutely brilliant. Um, now, we've got a, a, a new track that's come to me today. Uh, in fact, it was just probably about two hours ago. It's quite a, a solely smoothy thing. It's uh, from a guy called Joe Levy. And it's called One More Day. And after this, we'll speak to Nick. I'm coming home I can't wait for you and I to be alone To be alone I'm bringing love It's that special kind that we've been building up Special love I see the passion in your eyes It brightens up my sky Life doesn't feel so far away All that I want from you this Christmas Is another day Keeping it real I'm infatuated With the way this feels The way it feels You say my name It's the first time that I feel That I can claim This ain't a game I see the passion in your eyes It brightens up my sky little smoothie jazz piece now then um i introduced to you uh on wednesday just before our night hours program in the week a guy called nick jackson and uh, he's put together a big band a 20-piece big band and um, very adventurous and joining me from his studio somewhere in southern england <laughs> is nick <laughs> Hello, Dr. Dr. Glynn. Pleasure to be uh, here. Well, <laughs> it's nice to have you too. <laughs> I saw you bopping along to the, uh, the last couple of tracks. Some fantastic stuff there. I, I have some uh, 
empathy with the guy who did the multi-track one before last. Um, yeah. That, that's how I started here. The very first thing um, that I did here in the, uh, in the genre of the orchestra was uh, a multi-track mm. number, our version of Get Happy. Mm. Well, he, he's, um, he's with uh, Full Sail University in, in Orlando, in Florida. It's the American version of Rada here. Right. So yeah. he's Smashing obviously working towards well. his degree. Yeah. Know. Well, what a talent. A young, young, young lad then. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I take it uh, Sarah is related to you, is she? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Sarah on alto saxophone in the orchestra is my wife, uh, Dr. Glee. Ah, yeah. well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you probably saw the comment that came up earlier. You ra rather liked uh, one of the tracks we played. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. Nice to see you. <laughs> she's uh, she's in the office, uh, um, not here the, uh, in the house. All right. Uh, <laughs> I assume she's listening in. Well, <laughs> going off the comment that she left, I think she must be listening in, or else she wouldn't know what she was talking about. Yeah. Well, there you go. Anyway, you started this big band. Yes. Um, Pop Power Orchestra. Where did you get the name from? For um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I suppose, in, in a way, um, when I put this together... Um, I love big bands, but uh, I didn't want to use the term big band uh, because it sets the hair running of a certain genre, which I love. Mm. But the idea here was to do something uh, different um, and, uh, uh, you know, move the boundaries a bit. Of course, it looks like a big band. There's a 13-piece brass section. And when they're all blowing at once, you get that big band vibe and it's a brilliant thing but i wanted to add onto it this um this rocky funky type rhythm section and combine the two so i, I felt orchestra was more appropriate and um i forget how we came up with pop power it was one of the very early versions of the orchestra and it stuck and i think we were using it as a uh you know as a general term here and it just stuck and we we kicked it around and we couldn't come up with anything better. We certainly didn't want my name on it, uh, Dr. Lee. Uh, <laughs> why ever not? I mean, you you got uh, Sid Lawrence, you got uh, uh, Jack <laughs> Farnell, you got Ted Heath. Yeah, well, well, indeed. And uh, um, he, nobody's heard of me, uh, Dr. Glynn, so I, I felt we'd, we'd have a communal name for the whole team. A bit like the NDO, really. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, you've done uh, the sign of the swinging symbol. Mm. Now, I, I'm quite enamoured by that, partly because it was written by Brian Fay and his orchestra, and my dad was the drummer with Brian Fay when that was created. That's just brilliant. Uh, when, when we had a conversation a week or so ago, I, I, I loved that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I obviously got it from somewhere. <laughs> um, I, I've got I, uh, big big bands in, ingrained in me. I mean, you can probably tell by the way I'm swinging about, and I love a swing four, and I really, really, really love a swing three. 
but you know you can't have everything but um see you, you did that um and then uh that was what 60 68 then yeah Barbara Moore did version but, of brian fahey the fahey original yeah and then uh, barbara moore did a version of it in 1972 which of course in the uk um just about everybody knows of uh, top of the pops and uh, that was the signature tune for it and you've taken it on board and was yeah. was this your first piece um no um so so get happy was the first thing we did this was a little bit further down the line um uh i love that barbara moore version um the the band was um called brass incorporated That's i'd right. love to find out more about them i've done the wikipedia thing aren't they fantastic the energy just leaps out yeah and uh i noticed on youtube and looking around live that i hadn't heard this played much and there's not a version on youtube mm -hmm. i love the tune and um i had a discussion with um uh the drummer in the orchestra vinnie uh, how do you fancy doing this? And I also had a discussion with a very good trumpet friend of mine, which was about how difficult is this to play? Um, and I said, well, you need to uh, play it like a hooligan. So yeah. um, <laughs> so we went for that. Actually, I think that one was my friend Clive Hitchcock on tenor. So you need to play it like a hooligan. And uh, we just decided to go for it. So for that one, mm -hmm. uh, I think at the time I was doing an arrangement of... Uh, the arrangement for night and day which i was doing from scratch so i got a, a musician friend uh brendan musk who is a trumpet player to mm -hmm. uh, do the original transcription um but then we decided to add our bent on it particularly with the percussion and drums mm -hmm. and we decided to pull and push that around a bit and not copy the original there but but leave the excitement of the trumpets and the saxes and all that in so that's how we ended up with uh, this particular version. Let's have a listen to it.
absolutely outstanding. Thank you. It's as if I'm there with them again. <laughs> I know. I, I I wanted to come in and play with you. <laughs> we were particularly well delighted with the orchestra, the way they uh, approached that um, with mm. all gusto. But great plaudits to uh, Michelle and um, Michelle on percussion, Michelle Dries, mm. who's also a great kit player herself. Uh -huh. uh, the interplay between Michelle and Vinnie there in the middle just loved it. Well, Vinnie, I must admit, um, looking at it in the video, he, he, it's a bit an image of my dad. I mean, I, I could just see. <laughs> yeah. oh. How could I just be there, see. you know? I don't know. I was a young lad at the time. <laughs> right, so. Big band style. But of course, you've gone into other genres as well uh, like on on your rock for example yeah. um i noticed you did um fanfare to the common man which of course was written it way back in 1940 for the um some was it the olympics um no it was a particular um i, I can't remember you are quite right it was commissioned for a particular event i can't quite yeah. remember I, I did know what it was yeah. um yeah obviously awesome um, uh, classical piece, which was picked up very famously in the 70s, around 78, by Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Mm. Well, the interesting point on that one is, like you say, it was done by Emerson, Lake and Partner. Palmer. Emerson, um, Lake and Palmer. <laughs> they're the ones. They're the ones. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day, when I was just a young lad, I actually sold because I was working with Yamaha at the time, I sold the GX1 to ELP for them to make that track. Really? Really. Wow. I, I, I love Big that. white keyboard. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. But um, it, it, it came out... <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, yeah. Came of, um, it came out of a music shop in Newcastle on Tyne. Uh, they had it, City Music at the time, that no longer exists now. Um, but they had the only one in the country at the time, and we went and picked it up and gave it to ELP. And it Brilliant. cost, at the time, £38,000. In the 70s? In the 70s. It was... Dr. that's when £38,000 was £38,000. It certainly was. <laughs> certainly was. Ah, I, I, mm, yes, yes, goes back in time. But uh, again, you know, you you've taken the fanfare to the common man. Yeah, and uh, um, you've given given it the bit the big band spin with that. Uh, I know you say you you're not a big band, but you are a big band. You're a, it's a yeah. lot of them. <laughs> and um, uh, as an orchestra, um big band orchestra whatever you want to call it um you know it, it's an all-encompassing sound that's what i like about you Thank and you. the fact that you, all the boys and girls in the in the band orchestra whatever uh, group um you know you look all look as though you really enjoy yourselves it was um one of the most uh, yeah, I'll talk about the the arrangement for the song, but yeah, thanks for raising that because one of the 
great things about this orchestra is that it's fun and I'm glad that comes across. Um, mm. We really did. It was quite a pressured day when we filmed those songs, especially for me, I'm paying. Um, <laughs> but we had a super day and it was great getting on a stage with these really talented people, all ages. Uh, I think I'm the oldest. Um, but these talented youngsters from uh, who the uh, Nijo alumni and all, all these guys. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we and above all, um, I think it should be fun when you play live music. Mm. And I believe if you convey that, people will join in the fun. I used to have this saying that people he uh, hear with their eyes. That's so right. You can convey your love of what you're doing. You're 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 gonna be halfway there. But uh, I'm I'm glad you chose fanfare. So as you can hear. Um, We've basically stuck with the ELP rhythm and groove to it. And uh, I think Vinny really enjoyed doing his Carl Palmer th thing on that uh, in his own way. Yeah. Uh, but yes, um, on, on the uh, ELP version, uh, it, it's synth with the lead. And um, I decided, well, what could we do if I've got 13-piece brass section? How do I voice this? What do the trombones do? What do the saxophones do? What do the trumpets do? So um, if you listen to the song, you hear that the saxophones are doing a job in, in one place and they kind of work very nicely with the guitars. And then the, uh, uh, the color comes with the trumpets and the trombones elsewhere when they're playing the theme. Um, so that's how I approached it. Um, it was scary when I first actually heard it but it worked, it worked well, because obviously I can put a mock-up together here in the studio, but you need to hear the real horns playing yeah. it to get the, uh, of course. you know, to, to hear the real deal. Well, the sax solo was gorgeous. Thank you. That's um, Alison Corley uh, on tenor. And, uh, and I've admired Alison's playing for years. I've seen her with uh, the Chrissy Lee big band some years ago, which my, right. uh, my wife was playing in. And um, I've admired her playing for years. She plays great solos and she plays it with so much uh, soul and feeling. And I really appreciate that in, in a musician. It's not just the technique, it's, it's the way you play it and put it across. And uh, yeah, I think Alison did a great job and boy, do I look forward to working with her again. She's, she's great. Mm. Oh, let's have a listen to it. See everybody. <laughs>
awesome. Pretty awesome. <laughs> Thank you. You are enjoying yourselves, aren't you? You really are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what I wouldn't do to get this uh, out there regularly, because they're, they're a great, great bunch of guys. And, um, mm. yeah, I'm glad the fun comes across. We really enjoyed it. Mm. Well, I should hope that uh, a lot of the producers and directors that watch this program um, might pick up on it. And I expect my phone will be ringing off the hook during the week. Say, well, we oh, want yes. these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your principal instrument then? A voice, um, principally, um, uh, Dr. Glynn. Um, I play uh, uh, <laughs> a little bit of um, basic guitar. Um, mm -hmm. I'm very pleased that we uh, recruited a proper specialist, uh, Jordan Ward, on guitar for the orchestra. Uh, yeah, principally I sing um, uh, and I use my ears. So, um, mm. yeah, my, my role here, there's always this old band leader's joke um, that you might have heard that the worst musician in the band is the band leader. Uh, and that yes. certainly applies. <laughs> and that certainly applies in this case. Um, no music degree here. Um, I've worked hard to try and improve my theory in recent years since I got this together and uh, mm. my reading. My reading's a bit like this, really. Yeah. Uh, but it's about using my ears and my imagination mm. to produce these um, these arrangements. And basically, I use this thing uh, musicians will understand called MIDI. And I play the parts in on the keyboard. I produce scores. And then I take them into the uh, real musician, my wife, next door and say, can you read that? And, uh, <laughs> and I run it past the other musicians. And uh, mm. I was very pleased. They were, they were very kind about what I'd produce for them to play. Um, so it appears to work. But um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how, how did you get into the genre of big band? Oh, <laughs> I, I know wow. we keep harking back to that, but yeah. it's obviously what you are somewhere down the line. Um, wow. Well, well, of course, it was uh, it was always around uh, when I was a kid. My father w was more into classical music. But back, back in the day, um, when I was growing up in the 60s and the 70s, you'd see big bands on the television. You, you know, mm -hmm. quite quite regularly, uh, variety shows and all the rest of it. Um, m many years later, um, uh, I'm, I met Sarah and she was playing in the Chris Ely big band. I used to see them uh, a lot and I got more into the jazz and swing si side of it, thanks to Sarah principally. Mm. And um, I just uh, so, and I just love love the sound of the horns. And, and all the rest of it and yes i've seen um i've seen jules holland's band quite a few times i'm quite a fan uh i'm always a bit careful to um not get into the crossover thing we're not like jules and jules is brilliant and it's all built around him but I, yeah i love the sound of what they do um the big horns thing um so, so yeah, I could go on YouTube and I get lost. The other day, I I found um, yeah uh, uh, 
yeah, something that was there. Yeah, I was bloody rich, that's right. <laughs> been there, been there. <laughs> wow, and, you, you know, you're just drawn in. It's fantastic. And, mm. hey, look, it's bloody rich on drums. Why wouldn't you want to listen? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I have a pair of his stick, you know. You're just blowing <laughs> me away with this this mine of information, uh, Doctor. Do you really? Yeah, I do. Oh, that was when he when he was here in nineteen nineteen seventy six. Um, he he was on on tour of the UK, and uh, I got a pair of his sticks. <laughs> so, so can you verify the provenance of, of no, these sticks? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, I believe you. <laughs> but uh, I mean, he didn't he didn't sign them. We just pair of old sticks, but. Um, the hickory well, they G's they are on them. Uh, quite often uh, they do did he have them uh, marked as his own no they're, they're uh, Vic Reeves I think is the brand he was using ah right yeah um, so, but so they're, they're G's is, and they're, yeah. they're all hickory and they're absolutely gorgeous and they, they bounce well you know yeah um, um, it, it's obvious to say what a player um, much Mitch all the best drummers love Buddy Rich. Yes. I'd met in my time. Yeah. Um, you, you know, rock. the best rock players love Buddy Rich. People like mm. the pace of Deep Purple, people like that love Buddy Rich. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny, actually, because my dad's kit um, had the Buddy Rich album on the front because his name was Brian Reese and BR, BR, BR. You know, uh, <laughs> but it was like, uh, what, Buddy Rich playing for Brian Fay? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Now then, oh, your first one, as you said, was Night and Day. Mm. Oh, I've got that one lined up here for yeah. the our next one. You've done it somewhat differently than you would normally expect. Yeah. Um, it's certainly bang up to date uh, and with some gorgeous uh, counter melodies in it. Thank you. What, what was your story behind that one? Why? Uh, well, um, well, first of all, it's a great Cole Porter song. So what a great songwriter. And um, so I, I've loved the song for years. And how I approached that was... Um, any musicians listening would have heard of a thing called the real book, mm. which, yeah. So it's just got the melody and the chords. That's right. And um, how I decided to approach this was not listen to other arrangements that had already been recorded. And of course, so many people have recorded night and day. And um, rather than be influenced anywhere else i i got the real book stuck to the melody and the chords and decided to build my own arrangement out of that and i imagined uh how would um if cole porter had written this in the modern era how might he approach it mm. and that was actually um uh, in in the front of my mind so um if you listen carefully, you'll hear at the top, there's the just the staccato piano and the 
finger clicks and the voice. Uh, I that's kind of the idea I got from if people know the song Killer Queen by Queen. It's the same idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. nicked that little idea at the top there. And then I wanted to go for this um, build and this question and answer thing going on across the brass section. Um, so, yeah, the important thing for me was not to listen to anyone else's arrangement and simply build it myself. Mm. And that was the first uh, big band, if you could call it that arrangement that I that I'd ever done. And um, uh, yeah, good. My good friend Clive, who I mentioned earlier on, I was um, he knows his big bands really well. And uh, Clive Hitchcock and uh, I tentatively played him a rough out of it before mm -hmm. the real brass went on. And it was all uh, just in early stage. And is it all right? And he said, it's good. And that was very very encouraging well it is, it is good like you yeah. say it's it's very different thank um, you but bang up to date thank you but yeah, still the with the big band 40s feel yeah. if you like yeah hmm. so we'll listen and yeah like the big big beat of the tom tom when the jungle shadows
definitely some fun going on in that orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, of course, Alex Generon vocals. Um, I think she's just wonderful. What a voice. Um, mm. uh, and she's a great foil to um, um, my rather rock influence and fairly shouty approach to my vocals, uh, Dr. Glynn. Um, uh, Alex came here and um, initially to do just some backing vocals for me. And, uh, hey, do, do a lead. And I, I'd said this to her beforehand. And she was singing this, my vocal booth here. <clears throat> and uh, she wasn't singing that song. She was singing uh, another one from the repertoire. And Sarah came in and it was just, wow, listen to that. Mm. We found our singer. Um, <clears throat> and she, she agreed to come on board. And uh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, well, and indeed. Indeed. And she and is a few too. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So the idea was put a guitar solo in. If you're doing a big band number, you expect mm. a saxophone solo. So I decided to go totally off beam and let's have a guitar solo there. And um, mm. yeah. it's a super solo. I'm sure you agree. I'd love to see what you did with MacArthur Park. That one was on my initial agenda, funnily enough. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not been... Uh, it's not been ruled out. It might not be uh, ready in time for our shows uh, in June, mm. but uh, it was certainly on the early agenda. Funny, funny you should say that. It would kind of fit, wouldn't it? I think it would. Um, yeah. it, of all of the music in all of the world, um, that has got to be my favourite. And it's a big piece. I, um, I, I, well, seven and a half minutes, and it was, it was monumental for its. Uh, for its time when it first came out with Richard Harris yeah. um, but um, the Donna Summer version I've not heard not, that not the first version in fact I'll send it to you I'll send it to you um, the she she did a version of it uh, at a convention in Texas uh, about six months or so before she died and uh, it's absolutely mind-blowing wow, it, it's it's so true to the original but with a modern leaning yeah uh, um, well when, when you hear the track you'll you'll understand what i'm saying i would have to uh, yeah and i would have to approach that uh, uh with the view of okay what can i do with this to bring something well, yes. different yeah. to it again it's a monumental yeah. piece. Uh, yeah, the vocals go up and down and all over the place. That was, mm. I, don't, I have to do some practice. Well, <laughs> when, when I had a band all those years ago, um, we used to use it as our closing number. And, oh. um, we, Ambitious we, piece. Well, yeah, we, we actually made it last for 11 minutes. <laughs> um, it was on wallpaper in those days, you know. Uh, we, 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 we weren't uh, we weren't reading iPads for the dots. It was yeah. Um, since you mentioned that, isn't that something that's right? Um, I used to run a band in the nineties, and uh, when I returned to this, uh, Dr. Glynn to do this one, um, things have changed. Yeah. Um, 
you know, people read iPads and I've prepared all these paper copies and what have no, you. And the no. musicians are saying, oh, no, just send me the PDF. Um, no. I'm old school, me, you know, this. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not not only that, all sorts of technology has changed. We used to cart this huge light rig about, mm. and you can do all this stuff on these LEDs now, and they take a fraction of the wattage, and they're loads lighter, and the PA equipment, and all this sort of thing. Um, I'm getting old. Uh, I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've got a, a Hammond T2 in the garage. Wow. It's um, 60 years old, and um, it, it's still... Oh, it's gorgeous. But, you know, um, and then I've got a couple of Technics keyboards and a couple of Roland synthesizers and stuff. But it's not the same. Do, do you mean because it's modern and not so organic as the, uh, yeah. like, say, an, an original Hammond? Yeah. 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 I, I think I can kind of get that. I used to own a Rhodes and there was something, mm. you know, about, about the actual thing instead of having a thing that can do a road sound uh it's probably not in shot here but i've got yeah i've got one of these nord things here ah, and you've got one of those cheap machines <laughs> i mean they are incredible i haven't really begun to scratch the surface i bought it for the orchestra mm. um, so that where i need particular sounds loaded in because being an orchestra i don't just want to confine it to the brass um i mean we've got 20 musicians already but I, if I want strings and things, I want an arrangement where I'm doing strings or anything else like that. I don't want to restrict us just to the core thing. So mm. I bought this and we'll be using it. They're just amazing. Um, they are. Apparently every keyboard player, every working keyboard player has got one now. Um, yes, except me. But then again. <laughs> <laughs> At times have moved. I had to take advice because yeah. I'm not a player myself. So I right. asked around, what should I have? And apparently as one of these, they're not cheap, Glyn. No, <laughs> I know. I did notice this. I mean, I, 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 if, if I was to go out and I had a bottomless pit, I'd go out and buy B3, uh, which oh, hasn't got any of that stuff on it. It's all and, and organic. The it's, oh, absolutely. A 710 <laughs> Leslie or a 760 is even better because uh, on casters for when you go gigging. I used to be in a band with someone who used that, a Leslie. Yeah. Cut it everywhere. Yeah. Well, well, I I had uh, a Hammond X5 and the 760 Leslie, and that was awesome. Um, it was like um, a very portable version of the B3. Yeah. Uh, but all electronic as opposed to tone wheel. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But even so, you know, it filled the back of my Sierra, and um, <laughs> it was um, it was a, a PITA to get in and out of gigs yeah uh, so. you know you you put that and, and the leslie in the car and say well where do i pump the stool <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the the things we the things we do the great thing about a leslie we're going off here but um that they move the air you can feel them move yeah. the air can't you uh, and that's a, an exciting thing to be with it and is. yes, you can play something, and yeah, of course you get the sound. This one's got draw bars on it, so you know it's pretty authentic. Mm. But a, a le you can feel it. There's something organic about the air moving from a Leslie cabinet yeah. 
I yeah. can't describe that. And hey, that's the difference between in the 90s, I worked with drummers who were experimenting with electronic kits and what have you. Mm. Um, yeah, they've got their place. That's great. But I, I worked with a player. He brought an electronic kit along. And then gradually, every gig, bits of it got replaced. The snare <laughs> first went, went back to a real snare. And then gradually, bit by bit, oh, the cymbals came back, the yeah. real cymbals. And uh, five or six gigs later, he was on a real drum kit. Yeah. And... <laughs> I must admit, I, I played with a guy, Jimmy Leadham. Um, he's just around the corner from here. Um, but I mean, I haven't played with him for 30 years. But he he had uh, an electronic kit. And he said it was like playing a stack of rubber tires. <laughs> because, you know, the feel of them was just rubber there was no no acoustic bounce it's not I, quite I, the same as yeah. a, a premier 2000 snare drum yeah my, my understanding is that that has improved actually someone who'd know all about this is is vinnie our drummer he does mm. demonstrations for yamaha occasionally right. he's done these electronic kits and whatever i understand they have improved mm -hmm. but um you, you know if i turn up at a concert i want to see a drum kit and I want to see real percussion. I don't really want to... Pads might have their use, and I wouldn't say that we wouldn't use a pad for a job, mm. uh, a particular job, but, hey, there's something about a drum kit, congas, you know, the real things you actually hit. Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, I would love to speak to you for hours, and I know I can. <laughs> I can speak for hours. I'm one of those... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> But unfortunately, we're, apart from one track, uh, we're out of time. So I'm going to say ta for now. Pleasure. But thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Uh, thanks thank for you sharing so your much. music with us. Well, thank you. Um, and um, thank you for taking an interest. We, uh, you know, we, we could we could do with, do with more of this. I, I think we should be out there and be seen uh, a lot more. Mm. Mm. We'll have to see if we can get you some gigs and see what happens. Wow, gigs! Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a good <laughs> and things where you you turn up and you get a you know you're playing playing for. It's the a good job they're not relying on me for a living, Doctor Glynn. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's one of the reasons I gave it up. Uh, I I did my last professional gig in 1994 because there was right. no work around. Uh, yeah. Whereas we used to go out, you know, six seven nights a week. It went down to two or three nights a week, and then it was one a month. And I said, forget that. Yeah, I've lived through a couple of recessions and what have you. Um, yeah. It, you know, it gets tough, I understand. Mm. Hey, though, onwards and upwards. Indeed. Thanks very much, Nick Jackson. Thank you, Glenn. Okay, Pleasure. take care. Bye, all. This is Winter Wonderland from Jack Cobb. Grand theme as we head out towards the end of the program.
You've been listening to Jazz and Coffee coming to you from our studios in Chester in the United Kingdom. Remember, you can listen to this podcast again and all of the ones in the present series by going to jazzand.coffee. I'm Dr. Glenn. Our theme music is by Kirk Fisher. And until we meet next time, keep it smooth.